are you working on? Over there. Is everything okay? Yo, 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 come on. I might want to grab your inhaler. Why do I need my inhaler? We found something in a field not far from here. We should try and figure it out. I mean, there's a chance it could be dangerous, right? No, 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 no. Something otherworldly. This is quite impossible. You do know that. There's something I really need to show you. Is everything okay over there? You don't understand what you see. How do we know that Will is even Will? He could be pretending to be Will so he can take us over. I'm fine. But it's probably what an alien That's exactly would say. what an alien would say. When faced with the unknown, do you step away from the void? Will, 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 come on. I'm sorry. Or you dive in. In case you haven't noticed, and believe it or not, some still haven't, literate sci-fi for grown-ups has been making a hell of a comeback. For those who narrow-mindedly assume and presume that as soon as you talk about filmic sci-fi, you're talking either cheesy, if enjoyable, 50s-era nuclear thrillers, or huge modern-day studio tentpoles with extravagant CGI and Dolby Atmos to make the walls quake, well, you're hugely mistaken. Back in the late 60s and early 70s, during what many film lovers, us included, considered filmdom's true heyday, there was a slew of super-intelligent and perceptive, and socially and politically pointed, sci-fiers from the likes of legendary filmmakers like Norman Jewison, Stanley Kubrick, Richard Fleischer, Donald Camel, Ken Russell, Franklin J. Schaffner, John Borman, and others, which not only were every bit as critically acclaimed as the era's other films, you know, ones like Easy Rider, Mean Streets, The Last Picture Show, and American Graffiti, but in many instances were also popular enough for the public to be able to address issues of civil and gender rights when their more serious counterparts couldn't, and also pull in enough money to keep a number of studios from going into receivership. While titles like Logan's Run and the original Rollerball and Planet of the Apes were larger studio projects, and they certainly were damn good and socially trenchant, it's perhaps those which were made outside the confines of the American film system which proved to be some of the most daring. Films like The Man Who Fell to Earth, Solaris, and A Boy and His Dog. Such films which have gone on to inspire a contemporary independent sci-fi renaissance of films like the acclaimed Moon, Ex Machina and Safety Not Guaranteed, all of which follow what we love to call the Twilight Zone paradigm, wherein the ideas and most importantly characters are so damn fascinating that somewhere in there you genuinely forget how small scale and even almost one room the films themselves really are. All that said to introduce you to writer-director Paul J. Salamoff and his intriguingly refreshing and continually thematically morphing, if you will, independent sci-fi Encounter. Starring Luke Hemsworth, Encounter, on the surface, at first appears to be a near-tropish yarn about a young artist who, after losing his daughter and the ability to walk in an accident, regains the power of his legs after a group of friends encounter a small alien object, life form, after it crash lands in a field. Below the surface, however, 
it quickly becomes more a clever rift on Shakespeare's The Tempest, where here the life form, which we aren't sure is good or bad, begins to fulfill the needs, the missing gaps, physical and psychological, in the lives of various members of that small group. But only if. Encounter debuted at Austin's Otherworlds Film Festival and was released on Blu-ray and on demand this past October. And if you can, we recommend you check out the Blu-ray version because of an avalanche of bonus material, including a Q&A with Paul and the cast at the New York Film Academy. But if you can't, well, my podcast compadre Jim Delaney and I, in our own way, have attempted to do our version of that here. I'm Craig Jamison of Gold Cottage Online, and welcome to an all-new edition of The Movie Sneak. Up close with Encounters, Paul J. Salamoff. Now, Jim, um, Paul asked when we first came on, what was our swearing policy? And I kind of chuckled. <laughs> because I'm we, usually the one to break it first. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, we... Inter- I will challenge that. Okay, right. He's like, and, and I see your challenge and raise you. you know? <laughs> Very cool. Well, first of all, I mean, so obviously, you know, you guys know the basic skeletal outline. And that's just uh, what I call life by the condom principle, where it's... <laughs> good to have something and not use it then to you know then the other way around but uh <laughs> you know we're not married to it you know so uh that way yeah. we don't have to be yeah. right you have to be with condoms right <laughs> that's, <laughs> anyway, that's, that's fucked up anyway <laughs> so i was the first one to break it okay so actually before we get into talking to, oh first mm-hmm. of all officially paul Thanks for joining us on the Movie Sneak. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And uh, before we jump into Encounter, um, I just, while we were logging on, when I was jotting down some notes, something came to mind, and it's sort of a takeoff or inspired by on the Encounter Blu-ray, you have a section, uh, um, Sci-Fi Mania. Yeah, yeah. You know, and just people geeking out talking about their sci-fi inspiration yeah. over the years. So from you two guys, uh, I guess, Paul, you can go first, or Jim can go first, whoever mm-hmm. wants to. I'll go last. Um, I would like to hear, um, because I think it will help put things in context, we were saying earlier about how we're all kind of from around the mm-hmm. same generation. So we probably have certain points of reference reference that uh, maybe some younger people might not have. But uh, if we can just kind of clue them in as to where we're coming from. So I would like to hear from you two guys um, maybe what you might consider your first most influential sci-fi movie inspiration 
And then maybe the most recent sci-fi movie you saw that you felt uh, was kind of intriguing. Huh. Um, who, who would like to go first? Why don't you go ahead, Paul? Okay. Um, well, this is easy for me because when I was uh, five years old, my parents took me to go see uh, Star Wars. It was a double feature of Star Wars and Logan's Run at a drive-in Whoa, in, in uh, nice. Cape Cod. Yeah, and uh, I guess my, my eyes just bugged out of my head. I mean, I, I was you know blown away by that. So I was instantly a Star Wars fanatic. Um, and ironically, Logan's Run, you know, I'd go on years later to write the Logan's Run comic book series. Oh, I didn't know you were. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, I, I, but uh, those those were, you know, really, you know, big influences on me. And then I found Doctor Who mm. after that. So it was like, I would say the combination of, of, of Star Wars and Doctor Who. And my dad was a Star Trek fan, too. Nice. So it was like those, those you know, three things really... Uh, you know, ingrained in, into my, you know, brain mm-hmm. and, you know, instant love of science fiction. Uh, in regards to, like, what I saw recently that, you know, I really loved, um, I mean, God, it was like last year was a great year. Like, things like Annihilation mm. and uh, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Blade Runner is my favorite um, science fiction movie of all time. It's always mm-hmm. has been. And, and I, when I say Blade Runner, I mean the theatrical cut. Okay, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm glad to hear you say that, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, obviously it was a lot of trepidation when I went and saw Blade Runner 2049. Just, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, like, go, I didn't go into it overthinking it. I was just like, all right. You know, I'm gonna let this movie wash over me and see what happens. And and boy, I mean, it, that that movie is a masterpiece. It is, it really is. And yeah, and and I love it. And and yeah, in a movie like Annihilation, I mean, that's that's sort of my jam. I'm I'm like really the science fiction of ideas, mm-hmm. and the more like challenging, you know, science fiction ideas are, are the things that excite me. Uh, Jim, me. Uh, um, you know, L- Logan's Run was kind of the first thing that popped into my head too. But then I remembered huh? further back, and Craig and I have had have discussed this a few times. I saw Westworld. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that that combination of of the Logan's Run and Westworld. I mm-hmm. mean, I like, I used to watch those movies over and over yeah. again. Those two films. And that, yeah. Well, Westworld just scared the crap out of me because you know, I mean, yeah, it was a PG movie, so my dad thought, "Oh, this will be fine." He's already seen <laughs> Serpico. Let's show him this. So, <laughs> um, um, my dad's father was a cop, so he thought Serpico would be fine. And I agree. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, what I, you know, when I, the first time I saw the Terminator, I was like, "Okay, this is neat," mm-hmm. but I've already seen this with Westworld, so I'm not that intimidated when everybody else was. That just hung with me in nightmares for months. Um, wow. in the coolest possible way yeah um, good choice i mean i really westworld was really a big influence on me too i mean that, that good good call with that one because logan's running westworld i mean they were just they like each other too you know that, that yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 and um of of more recent ones um I'm, I'm going to be a blatant suck up here right now and create you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit but encounter really wow. moved me way more than uh wow than for it and 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 i'll i'll, I'll huh? dig deeper into it later but the one thing i'll say right now is that I, I i agree with you and i love the sci-fi of ideas but i can't i'm at a loss and craig and i already talked about this a few days ago and i was at a loss then and i still haven't come up with anything else it's just so much heart in there and and for a movie to 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 unashamedly unabashedly just have that much yearning soul and pain um without without trying to be ironic or whatever about it or or you know just just 
to I won't go as far as to say where it's hard on the sleeve because that sounds like it's cheapening it, but just you know, just just an immense amount of love and loss of love in there, and it just yeah. grabbed the well, hell. I think out a of lot me. of movies today uh, are almost embarrassed to do that. Right, and that's that's yeah. what that's what I loved about this. And then aside from that, like you say, the the other one that most popped into my head was Annihilation for pretty much the same reasons. So yeah. like I I got to see. I usually sit in the front row of movies. Oh, um, wow. Just because I like the front row or way down front yeah. where I don't have to see people's phones or anything. And that particular show, I got there and it was pretty full down front, but there was a seat way up in the back. So I watched it in the back and I, and, and, you know, I mean, he grew up in Boston, you saw It's not like LA or New York where people stay through the credits mostly. This time they mm. did. And just mm. watching people, not immediately, but little by little, starting to talk about it. And then you watch, you hear their voices rise and rise. No one is turning on their phones. Everybody just started getting more and more agitated with each other, arguing over what the hell just happened. Mm. And I love that. Yeah. You know, yeah. anytime that anybody's that engaged that, that they want to argue with their friends before they've even left the theater. Yeah, it's so, one, I mean, it's so wonderful. I mean, that, the last 20 minutes of that movie were just absolutely stunning. Yeah. I mean, I just like, I just love movies that will take chances like that. I mean, you know, that year... There was um, it was like three films, like one after the other. There was Annihilation, Mandy, and Suspiria mm-hmm. that were all like, I don't know why I like these movies so much, but I really love these movies. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, it was just like, you know, things where it's like, I need to unpack these yes, films. Yes, unpack, you know, perfect really way to put need, it. Yeah. Yeah, I need to unpack them. I need to think about them. I need to mull them over in my head. I need to watch them again. You know, and that, that to me is a special movie. Because a movie that, I mean, you know, not not to be like jerky or anything, but I saw Gemini Man mm-hmm. Sunday night, and I almost have already forgotten that movie mm-hmm. even existed. <laughs> okay, well, it's, it's kind of funny, because you both mentioned a, a, a couple of films that I'm going to mention right now. First of all, you both stole my Westworld shit, okay? Sorry. <laughs> because, I mean, Westworld, yeah, I I mean, our family always went to the movies, and I was always a great reader, And but definitely Michael Crichton was the guy who got me interested in film. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I guess it's kind of a one-two whammy with Westworld and The Andromeda Strain. You know? mm-hmm. and, yeah. and for that yeah. reason, those two... Um, I've always been more a down-to-earth sci-fi fan. I mean, I certainly appreciate, like, stuff that Greg Bear does, you know. But for all mm-hmm. intents purposes, if there's a sci-fi that I can almost imagine myself right now living through, it just makes it that much more pertinent to me. I think that's why, for me, a movie like Alienation, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people mm-hmm. criticize that film because, oh, it was just another buddy cop film. But I thought the fact that it just treated the subject matter that glibly is yeah. what made it potent to me. You know, yeah. it didn't focus on the sci-fi elements so much. It just focused on the character elements and the whole, you know, bigotry thing, which I thought yeah. was kind of, you know, which, which is why I loved it. So yeah. uh, the Andromeda Strain and Westworld were always those for me. And Westworld in particular, that was the first screenplay I read. Oh. And I still have. Oh, wow. It was in paperback format. And I read that, and I was always writing short stories and comic books and things. And when I read that screenplay, it just suddenly dawned on me, yeah, this is what I want to do when I grow up. Well, spe- it, 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 yeah. Oh, sorry, speaking uh-huh. of Michael Crichton, I mean, like, I- I'll throw another movie out for you, which was like an HBO film for me, was Looker. Did you ever watch oh, yeah. yeah, I yeah. love yeah. Looker. I mean, yeah. critics tore that film apart, <laughs> but I love that movie. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's not the greatest film by any stretch of the imagination, but I, but I But I, there's I, a lot of great ideas yeah. going and on And that there. was Michael Crichton, you know, he, he wrote and directed that one yep yep, and, yep uh yep. you know that's in that same because i think what was it like 
early it was early 80s that was like 81 like, it was like or, 79 right? or 80 yeah, yeah, yeah like somewhere around around then and that was a movie mm-hmm. like that was played on hbo all the time that i would just <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, watch. yeah the more recent film jim and i was <laughs> funny uh, uh, jim and i were talking about uh, uh ad astra earlier and how there were a lot of great ideas in it uh, we had kind of wanted to like it more and how kind of a lot of the peripheral stuff we found much more interesting than the actual plot proper. Um, but kind of funny, you mentioned Gemini Man. I actually saw it this weekend, too. And I actually saw in that it actually surprised me. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, it was a little better than I expected it to yeah, be. Yeah, it, it had a few more, maybe because, as Jim said, about, about um, um, God, what was it? Oh, you went into First Man because you didn't care for La La Land too much. Right, right. And you wanted yeah. the first man with low ex- – well, not low expectations. Hoping but not expecting. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt the same way about Gemini Man. And when I yes. got there, I actually got a, a little more than I expected. <laughs> you, you know, it's so funny how similar we are in this respect. <laughs> wow. So I, I literally went and saw it with like two of my buddies in the uh, – because I have that AMC A-list. Uh-huh. So it's free, right? For, you yeah. know, so I went, I went and saw it in that – 120 high definition you know, you know okay. 3D for the reason for this reason because if this movie's going to be a shit show then I want to see it in the worst possible <laughs> way you can see this movie right and and, and, and I refuse to see it in H- HFR I, I well, refused yeah yeah well I, I I didn't see any like I didn't see the Hobbit and I didn't see that long yeah. walk of Billy whatever so I was just uh-huh. curious and it's like if I'm going to go sit through this movie I'm going to go see it in the, and I'll tell you I don't know why anybody would want their movie to look like that exactly. it's really distracting and the 3d made it worse yeah yeah, yeah that's what i heard <laughs> but with that said by the end of the movie i was like all right well, the movie's not as bad as i thought it was gonna be like i honestly expected <laughs> it to be like a chore to sit through them yeah. it was more distracting from a bit like i i literally said to my friends you know what I'm going to watch this movie again, but I'm going to watch it in 24 frames per second so I can enjoy it as a movie. You know, it's funny because um, normally I will go to see a film with the exception of HF, HFR right now. <laughs> and I, I believe mm-hmm. that kind of like digital film was 10 years ago. It's going to take a little while for artists and craftsmen yeah. to learn how to use it and to make it, you know, to make it work narratively and aesthetically and all that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, there are some early films yeah. and TV shows that were shot digitally that just look terrible. Uh, that just take you out of it. So I expect HFR to one day grow up and mature. But interestingly, yeah. the husband Schwe- of your yeah. composer to encounter, Panke Konova, her husband, oh. Daniel uh, Schweiger, who uh, he, you know, he and I have gotten to know each other a little bit, and I actually had dinner with him and his yeah, daughter yeah. a couple of weeks ago yeah. in New York when his uh, uh, the Women Warriors concert uh, that Penka had a couple of pieces in, and it's kind of funny because he had mentioned that he saw Gemini Man last week and he oh. saw it in HFR. Yeah. And he, he did the same exact thing. It was so distracting, and in 3D, that yeah. whole uncanny valley thing yeah. was just so pronounced, and. You know, uh, that yeah. whole, like you're looking at a Viewmaster, through a Viewmaster, I did not want that. So I just saw it in, in 2D mm. IMAX. And I was able to, it's kind of funny, because when I first saw The Dark Knight, yeah. I actually first yeah. saw it in IMAX. And I liked it, yeah. but when I saw it on a regular screen, I actually liked it more. Because I the IMAX stuff was a bit distracting. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, actually, idea wise, yep. and it's kind of funny because we really do have a sub science fiction yep. genre of clone <laughs> movies. <laughs> you know, whether it's the boys from Brazil yeah. Yeah. or the island or Clonus, the parts horror oh, or Star Trek Nemesis <laughs> or Us or or Oblivion. There's a whole there's a zillion of them now. You know, so there's a whole sub genre of those films now, and it's just unbelievable how many there there are. And I actually thought yeah. that idea wise, there were parts in that movie that I didn't expect where yes. like the conversation they were having when they were driving in a van I'm like am I watching a scene from Field of Dreams here <laughs> you know when they're talking about the whole if I knew what I knew now yeah, when I was yeah. younger blah 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 you know so that I appreciated and I didn't expect that so yeah I would have to throw that one in there look man I'm still not convinced that that thing is the beginning of some kind of invasion it's not oh you know I know because you showed me what did it show you? Things about itself. About where it comes from. You see that? <laughs> see, this is the shit I'm talking no, about. No, please, Marcus. Do you know what he's talking about? Did it show you that stuff too, or? I'm not sure. What does that mean? I saw flashes of something when it touched me, but it was so fast I, I couldn't make sense of it. Like a, a dream that you can't remember in the morning. I still see it. You guys, you gotta see it. Just let it touch you. Hell no. Man, I ain't going near that thing. Right? Did it hurt? No. No, it actually made me feel better. Better? Yeah. Like I could breathe easier. Well, then, then why were you shaking on the floor when it touched you? I mean, you, you were flailing around in pain. I saw it. You were in pain. Uh, it was. It was trying to figure me out. My injury confused it. I don't get it. The doctor said you'd never walk again. I, I don't have the answers, okay? Trust me when I say that you understand when you bond with it. Nope. No, thank you. I don't trust that thing. Anyway, let's get to Encounter. For those who may not yet be familiar with the film, can you give us a quick synopsis of it? Yes. I mean, you know, I always joke with this. It's it's the, hey, stop me if you've heard this before. Something crash lands in a field and they bring it back home. You know, I mean, because, you know, because I'm very well aware that I'm using, because uh, I'm using science fiction tropes on purpose. Uh, exactly. I'm trying to use yeah. them against the expectations of the audience. But basically, in the in the simplest way, there's a group, uh, you know, something fantastical comes into the lives of a group of, of like broken individuals and it's how this sort of transforms them and, and changes them over the course of, you know, just a day and a half, you know, and how, and how it sort of affects their worldview. So it really is, you know, um, you know, inspired by things like The Outer Limits or like The mm-hmm. Twilight Zone or or films like Solaris or Stalker mm-hmm. or, or things like more recently like Arrival and mm-hmm. and Moon and so forth. That it, it, it really is more about the characters and how this affects them than the sci-fi elements. Like I'm a big like uh, Britton Marling fan, you know, like so stuff like Another Earth and Sound of My Voice, you know, and the OA, you know, those those kind of things. Um, it's that type of science fiction. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So where now, like it's, we're going to kind of do this interview as what I refer to as an inverse interview, okay. <laughs> where instead of starting with your background, starting with your inspiration, and then going to the film 
proper uh, at the end. Uh, we start with the film, and then we'll go back and talk about your background and where a lot of things came from. Okay. As far as this particular film, this particular story, um, how did it get launched? Uh, now, your background in general um, is pretty impressive. You're, you're not a novice. You've been in the film business in one way or another, or let's say the creative business in one way or another for quite some time, uh, whether yes. it's working with guys like Alterian Studios on effects or whether it's just been writing or whether it's been making short films uh now encounter is your first full-length theat- theatrical film yes uh it's my first feature film yes feature yeah film. as a okay. full-length feature yeah okay so um how did that go if you can give us the succinct version from script to screen uh for those independent filmmakers out there who want to get stuff done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's a great question. Um, you know, it was a pretty um, – fortunately, we had a really great production team, and it was a really smooth smooth ride for the most part. Um, and it was basically a year from writing the script to the completed – finished movie you know done at post which was really um which was really wonderful as well um i had been helping uh augusta georgia grow their film community for like good four or five years and uh, this was sort of like a culmination of that where they wanted to prove they could compete with uh atlanta and savannah Mm -hmm. and i needed to direct a film so it was sort of one of those things like peanut butter and chocolate you know what i mean where it was like hey they and they basically it was finding uh, independently by my producer, um, you know, out of Augusta. And it was just, she called me up and said, Hey, I want you to direct a movie, figure out a movie we can do for this budget and, uh, we will make it sweet. Yeah. So it was really, but, but you know, it's, it's not, you know, I know that sounds like simple and it sounds like really, you know, but it, 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 it is. And it, it's, it's, you know, years of planting seeds and years of, of relationships and, and so forth, you know, to get to that point. So, you know, it was all very much, you know, sort of leading in this direction, if, if that makes sense. No, no, definitely does. Now, one of the, oh, and Jim, please just jump in any time. I don't want to bore no, no. the whole conversation here. Okay, <laughs> one of the things that totally uh, blew me away from first viewing, and I've watched the film a couple of times, you know, uh, uh, since oh, wow. picking up the Blu-ray, is um, the cinematography yes. by uh, yes. Atkinson. Uh, I was filming a documentary a couple of years ago, and I um, was working with an awesome cinematographer. His name is Cameron Mitchell, who is going mm-hmm. on to do a few other things, and uh, he even brought in a Steadicam operator who invents his own equipment. <laughs> Um, we were on like the Benjamin Franklin Bridge in Philadelphia and we did some, yeah. And this guy, he just, is just amazing. And I, I've always loved cinematographers yeah. and cinematography. American cinematographer has been one of my Bibles for the past 20, 30 years. But it wasn't until we were on, on set. I mean, we were filming a documentary, but it wasn't until we were there in the thick of the fray that I totally realized how a really good cinematographer can make your film look 10 times more expensive than it really is. Oh, yes, yes. And um, obviously, just from what you were saying, Encounter is a small-budget independent film, yeah. but it really, really freaking looks great. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just some beautiful imagery in the film that looks like, that looks really expensive. And I don't mean to be, what's the word, mercenary, tacky, <laughs> or whatever, but um, how how did you guys pull that off? I mean... No, it's it's funny. Um, <laughs> the, okay, so 
Denton Atkinson, who's like my brother now. I mean, he mm-hmm. really is. I, I, lo- I don't want to do a movie without him, and I really mm-hmm. mean that. Uh, I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. Um, and so when I came down to do a movie there, I wanted to use a prime primary predominantly Augusta crew. It was pretty much 85% like an Augusta crew. And, but I was told that if I was going to do a movie down there, I was going to have to use Denton. And and I sort of had met him. I had sort of just met him, um, you know, a couple of times when I was down there before, but I didn't really never get a chance to really get to know him. So, you know, we got a chance to sort of talk to each other and get our philosophies going. And, you know, and I had seen his reel, but there was nothing really on his reel that like really like blew me away. It was all very competent, but it was nothing that mm-hmm, really blew mm-hmm. me away. And he had done um, this movie about the Tuskegee Airmen that played like in Fathom events and played on, mm-hmm, on TV mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so he was sort of like a, a little like a uh, you know minor celebrity down there. And mm-hmm. um, when when Dan and I started talking, I said to him like, <clears throat> "Here's my here's my biggest concern." I go, I just want to make sure my movie looks like a movie. Hmm. Okay. And I know that's like a silly thing to say, but I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. There's, you know, you look at plenty of low budget films and they just don't feel like movies. Right. You know, and, and, you know, I go, that's my biggest fear is that this isn't going to feel like a movie. So, you know, we talked about like, you know, we, we're going to shoot on uh, red dragons Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talked about the lenses, and we had extensive conversations about. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, I got some comments. No, no. Um, you know the, what the look of the movie was going to be, and and especially like the lighting, mm-hmm. and what we were just smart with. You know, I wound up storyboarding the entire movie. I used this program called Frameforge 3D, which is, um, it's almost like The Sims. You know what <laughs> I mean? You can create, and I wound up doing 1,400 storyboards, wow. and I storyboarded the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And on the Blu-rays, you see there's that, you know, there's a storyboard to film comparison. We can see how similar they are. Um, So we were able to have that, you know, I was able to sit down with him and really, like, go through the whole movie. And and then we had big discussions about how we were going to light it. And the lighting was used. Everything had its own sort of... You know, uh, Luke's character Will had had a sort of an amber sort of feel to it. But any time the world encroached into this glow, this amber glow, it became more and more desaturated. Hmm. And and the the agents had a sort of a more steely gray kind mm-hmm. of feel. To yeah. It. And, and the in you know some of you know his light Will's orange light gets transferred over to the alien as the alien continues to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, and that becomes so. There was a there was a lot of effort, and we took the time to light it properly. So there was some color correction done in post. We had this incredible uh, moonshine was our post production company, and they you know they nice. do a lot of Marvel films and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And but we didn't do as much color correction as you would think we had to. Wow! It, because it was lit. So I mean, especially that first scene with Luke painting. I mean, yeah, that yeah, yeah. Was really, mostly the lighting. I mean, we only like really enhanced it just a little bit, just to you know, just bump it up a little bit. But for the most part, most of that stuff was done on set, and we, we had a really great wow. first AD, uh, Joshua Lou Friedman, who really did a great job scheduling. I mean, we shot the movie in fifteen days, and then we, and then we had three days of additional photography because we came in under budget, and they it was mm-hmm. sort of gifted that. Um, but you know, we really had a tight schedule, but we never had a second meal. We we brought it in on schedule, so it was. We just were smart about how we shot the movie, and, and that's why it feels cinematic and it 
feels yeah. like a real movie because we took the time to make sure it felt like that. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you did that in 15 days. That's that's nuts. That's <laughs> fucking amazing. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that. I would have thought maybe like at least yeah. like 30. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. It's very kind that's to say that. Yeah. Well, planning. I mean, that's the thing. It's like pre-production. Pre-production's everything. It yeah. really is. And yeah. And you know, making sure that everybody's on the same page, and just the crew. In, I'm a very collab. I'm not. A, I'm not an ego-driven person. You know what I mean. So I, I just. I'm. I'm very much a creative, and I'm very much a collaborator. And I want the crew to feel like they're all on the same page and part of the process. Because, you know, a, a single PA can ruin your movie. So I made it. You okay, know, made yeah. it you know, an effort to make sure I knew everybody on the crew sat down with them, got to know them and got mm-hmm. to know, let them know my philosophy. So it really was, it was a love fest down there. I mean, it really was. And mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that that necessarily makes a better movie. I, I've worked on over 50 films. I've seen crews that completely bond, you know, bond that have horrible films. Mm-hmm. And I've seen <laughs> the opposite where it's been like, I don't want to go to set because I hate it. And it winds up being, you know, one of the greatest movies ever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Okay. So, <laughs> it, you know, it, there's no correlation to it, but that's not the way I, I, I conduct myself. Okay, cool. You know, I mean, like I, I like to, um, you know, I, I like it to be a, a friendly environment to work in. Use lethal force if necessary. causing you any abnormal sensations or discomfort? No. Even in your legs? It's like I was never paralyzed. Physiologically, this is uh, quite impossible. You do know that. Of course I know that. I always hated needles. Yeah, me too. Now, what do we do about you? I'm not, uh, I'm not ready for that yet. I think it would feel reassured if I could touch you. Why do you think that? It's just a feeling, I guess. Did it tell you to let it touch me? It's, it's more like a, it's more like a suggestion. It's, it's hard to explain. I'd like you to try. Now, I don't know whether this is intentional or whether this is just me projecting Mm -hmm. into it, but it's kind of interesting that, at least for most of the film, it's never really stated or implied whether the quote-unquote alien or object is quote-unquote good or bad. It almost seems as though that depends on who comes in contact with it. Mm. Now, by the time we get to the end of the film, you know, it's kind of, you know, stated outright. But I like the fact that... The huh? are we are we spoiler free on this? Okay, 
I would like not to spoil things, but I yeah. can't help no. but say yeah, me to I... Jim last week, there were, in some respects I saw the ending coming because I am such a huge fan of the movie Demon Seed. Oh, okay. Well, that, then we're in spoilers. Then, if you just said okay, that. yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, but there's a lot of people who haven't seen that movie anyway. So, of, but just you know, when I started seeing stuff about the character's background, yeah, and just in a screenplay, there was no such, or there shouldn't be any such thing as extemporaneous material. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm kind of like, hmm, where is Good. this going? And my mind kind of fast forwarded, and it's like, oh god, yeah. Um, and, and I dug it. I didn't think it was like a rip yeah, yeah. Or, or a knockoff of Demon Seed or anything like that. I thought it was just a a, a fantastic examination yes. of similar themes, uh, you know. And as Jim said, um, yeah. unashamed to go there, you know. But um, for a while there, Luke Hemworth's character, yes, he's almost like a drug addict. His responses, he's really, um, you know, he's almost proceeding with little regard for what may happen to him in the future, almost as if he's got blinders on and what may happen to other people. At least, you know, that's how I read it. You know, ultimately, I think he, his character goes down the correct path, but I don't necessarily know if during the whole film I can say, yeah, go ahead, Luke, keep doing that. (laughs) <laughs> and that's something that I get from a lot of 70s films where a situation is laid out, but I am not explicitly yeah, told okay. so, how I should feel okay. about it. There's a lot of things you just discussed here that I can discuss in, in very different terms. So you're not wrong on any of this. Okay. okay? So first of all, thank you for saying okay. that there shouldn't be any extraneous stuff in, in screenplays because – I, I promise you this was a very uh-huh. intricately written screenplay. There was nothing, you know, when you watch the movie a second yeah, time, yeah. that's why I love the fact that you guys have seen the movie more than once. If you watch it a second time, you will see it's all there. As a matter of fact, I tell you multiple times where it's going. You know what I mean? But it's out of context. So thank you. I appreciate that very much because I spent a lot of, you know, there was a lot of effort in 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 making sure that this was a puzzle that all fit together properly. Um, uh, I very purposefully do not. Ma- I, I'm a big fan of European films too. You know what I mean? But I, I wanted the audience to bring their own. Fears or not fears into when they watch the movie. The, it is very the alien is very purposefully non-anthropomorphized. It doesn't have a mouth. It doesn't have eyes. It doesn't have anything recognizably, you know, human or animal. It's it's very alien. And when I say alien, not Giger alien, just alien. <laughs> and. I want, even with the ending, for the audience to decide for themselves whether you just saw something beautiful or you just saw something potentially scary. Because I do propose alternate, you know, possibilities of what the end could mean. And it's just what you kind of bring to it or want to believe at the end of it. You know, and yes, I wanted that through line of always wondering, is this good or bad? And that's what was a lot of playing against the expectations because, you know, there's, I hope times when you're watching it where you're, you know, you're saying to yourself, you know, Oh, here's where it goes bad. And here's where it goes bad. And then something different happens. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, what you're not expecting to happen happens. You know what I mean? And that was, 
like I said, done very purposefully. And, and I like not over explaining. I know what's going on at all times. I know what this thing is doing. I know why it's doing what it's doing. But I don't think it's necessary to hit the audience over the head with that because I think once you do that, it kind of would suck all the life out of the movie. You know, I, I want you to go, I want you to be inspired to watch it again. You know, not not because, not for any commerce reasons. <laughs> you know, if, I just want you to, I want you to, to want to look at it again. And now that you know where it's going to see, oh, oh, I see. You know, it's funny. They're, they're, you know, it's it's gotten, you know, it, it's, there are people who really love the movie. And then there's some people who don't like the movie. Okay. And, and what's really interesting is in sort of like frustrating is that there was a couple of reviews where they were, you know, um, criticizing the opening scene when the, the three characters are drinking in the field. Right. And, you know, saying, Oh, you know, it's a bunch of good old boys just talking nonsense until the plot starts. And it's like, clearly you're not paying attention to the movie because every line of dialogue they say has irrelevance to the rest of the movie. I mean, that Rachel, the girl they're talking, and a lot of people don't pick up on this. Rachel, the girl they're talking about, is the, is the, is the girl that's interviewed by the FBI agents at, at Reinhardt's. I mean, that's Rachel. You know what I mean? It's like, we're not just talking about random stuff here. You know what I mean? It's, it's everything they're talking about mm-hmm. speaks of character, and it has relevance later because, on. Um, the first time I watched the movie, when we got to that scene, I was like, hmm, I feel like I'm getting... Uh, the first time, you know, well, I would say the first half, the first time I, I, I watched that scene, I said, you know, my first reaction was, hmm, I feel like I'm getting backstory overload. But the first thing that came to mind, I mentioned Michael Crichton earlier, and I remember the first time I read his novel, Sphere, um, the whole first quarter of that novel is the same thing mm. to a degree, where it more so than in most of his other novels, because yeah. a lot of his novels aren't really heavy on characterization. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Michael Crichton, but his ideas, are, his novels are more about yeah. ideas and concepts than they're about yeah. characters. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, Disclosure yeah. and Sphere are two exceptions. And Sphere, mainly because we're kind of doing this Tempest, uh, Shore Leave kind of thing, which you kind of touch into that same category, uh, Forbidden Planet, Shore Leave, The Tempest, you know, where... Mm-hmm. Whatever is inside the character's psyche is going to be externalized by the mm-hmm. encounter with this alien object. Yeah. You know, it's going to draw out whatever's in them. So we kind of have to know ahead of time what trauma, what hangups, what, whatever you want to call them, they're experiencing. And so 15 minutes into the movie, I mean, I had even said, man, some of these guys, you know, like almost seem to be. Like serious Jordy Verrills, <laughs> you know, oh, in a certain degree. Yeah, 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 you yeah, know? yeah interesting. But, but fifteen minutes into the film, it was like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's it's all about, I get what's happening. Yeah, yeah, it's all about you know. I'm a very thematically driven writer, so you know, I wanted to explore, like I said, these you know things about loss and grief and fear of the unknown and 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 you know ultimately hope, but they all represent loss. In, in various ways, every every character, every character represents loss, and but in very different ways. Some in physical ways, some in psychological ways, some in you know emotional ways. Um, so you know that that was the you know that was the idea, and 
you know, so even though I'm trying to keep it grounded as this just, I kept on telling them on set, I'm like, we're not making a science fiction movie. We're making Manchester by the sea. You know what I mean? I, I just kept on like telling them that, yeah, yeah. that, you know, I mean, not that it has anything to do with the plot <laughs> measures. It's just that, you know, right. think of it, we're making a drama, but still there is a layer of allegory, you know, underneath that, that it is still like, in essence, a fairy tale. You know, you know what I mean? And, and that was done very purposefully. It was, you know, let's keep it real, but at the, but let's be honest, this is still a fantasy story we're seeing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Now, interestingly, um, I guess along those lines, we're dovetailing with that. Got to, got to ask about your casting <laughs> okay. coup in this film, and I don't mean Luke Hemsworth. I mean Tom Atkins, <laughs> who, who um, Jim and I were talking last week. We were saying how well for me anyway. Um, I don't think I have ever seen Tom Atkins in a more human role before i mean normally he's the normally he's the motivation or (laughs) the you know the tough guy or whatever you know or 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 whatever or or the side guy you know but i've never seen him that human before and his performance is actually really touching it really is he says it shows him things right well that's what you said is that true it shows me things. Yes. Shows you what? Well, it's kind of like memories. Your memories or, or its memories? Both. It's confusing most of the time. Some things are clearer than others. Professor, you'd understand if you if you just you let it bond with you. I'd be lying if I told you I wasn't scared. I was scared too, but I actually felt better after. That's not exactly reassuring. You see, the rational side of me says it's pumping you full of endorphins or who knows what it could be giving you the illusion of euphoria. There's really nothing we can say that's gonna convince you, is there? There's nothing you can say that I can't explain away with science. How can science explain me walking almost nothing yes you have to ask yourself professor when faced with the unknown do you step away from the void or do you dive in yeah thank you he won a best supporting actor at the miami uh uh film festival which is really great um yeah he um Here's the funny thing. He even said to me on set, he goes, I'm not used to playing nice people. Exactly. Exactly. The the funniest thing about Tom is he is one of the most wonderful human beings on this planet. He is such a sweet man. And as a matter of fact, you know, um, Tom and Chris, Chris Showerman, who plays Johnny, you know, they Mm -hmm. have that sort of mentor, you know, you know, kind of relationship, but that sort of father son relationship, Uh they still have that relationship. As a matter of fact, Tom was just out here last week. Um, they did a a special thing for him at, uh, beyond fest. Um, but also he was out here for the premiere of trick, which is, um, Patrick Lussier's new film, which, which Tom is in. And Tom had Chris and I were his guests for it, which was lovely. Um, and, the funny thing is in Trick, you know, Tom's back to his, you know, gruff, you know, like, you know, right. self, and it was funny. I'm watching <laughs> it and I'm like, 
I turned to Tom. I'm like, I'm not used to seeing you like this. You know what I mean? It's like I've gotten right, so right, used right, to like right. I've gotten u- so used to Tom being this really sweet man and this sweet man in my movie that seeing right. him on screen is this tough guy again. It was like yeah. that's not Tom, or like the, or like the prick dad in Creepshow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, exactly. that's why God made fathers, babe. That's why God made fathers. You know, I mean, that, you know, yeah. come on, yeah, he's a lethal weapon. You know, he, you know, it, mean, right, right. The fog that he was break out and be what Kurt Russell turned out to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, but even when yeah, he's playing like yeah. nice, because then the fog is sort of like a nice guy, but he's still yeah. like macho. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and in this, he's a really sweet, you know, and, and which is more like him as a person, anyways. But it, it was just, you know, that was not stunt casting. That was just respect for somebody who meant something to me. You know, I, you always want to work with people that, you know, like mean something to you. You know what I mean? And Tom's one of those people who doesn't show up in lots of movies. He doesn't, you know, he's not one of those people who just shows up in anything. You know what I mean? So, you know, the fact that he would even do the movie was a, was a big, you know, plus. Um, but he really loves it. He loves the movie a lot. He really does. And he's a big champion for it. And, you know, we're all still friends, which is amazing. All the actors. You know what I mean? And, um, it it was amazing to have him in the movie. It, it really was, and he he's such he's so wonderful to work with, and he really brings a lot of heart to the movie. Was well, it? You got a few other people. I mean, aside from Luke, also. I mean, they, I mean, Hemsworth name you pretty much look up charm in the dictionary, and there's and there's all of them. Yeah. Um, and then, but also like Vincent Ward, who I know mostly yeah. from from Walking Dead. Yep. I mean, you got these guys to be really opposite. Uh, I guess what fans might most regard them as. And yeah. Now, was was that necessarily? I, I, it doesn't strike me as necessarily being Deliberate. a goal, or or no, or, no, did, I, or is it just that they were they they responded to material because here's a chance to do something that I don't normally get to do. Well, I actually, you know, it's so funny. <laughs> I wrote the roles for for Johnny for Chris Showerman, and I wrote the role for Marcus for Vincent. Mm-hmm. Okay, because we're friends. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Okay. So. And, and Vincent and I bonded. We went to this. I, I own the TARDIS console, the 1996 TARDIS console from the Doctor Who TV movie. Uh, and so I do conventions with it, right? Okay. And we were cool. at this convention in Oklahoma that I won't talk about, but it was a real disaster. Okay. And, and Vincent and I just wound up. I met him for the first time there, and we just wound up like bonding. And it turned out that he didn't live too far from me, you know, in LA. And so we would get together. And so when I, I, I got got the you know you know could write encounter like i'm gonna write a role from for vincent because i like just like him you know what i mean and hey i'm the walking dead and you know it's like but i just wanted to write it for him and <laughs> i mean <laughs> he the funny joke was he would say like wow you write me better than i um than myself <laughs> than you know i am like, right, right. I know him so well <laughs> that the dialogue it's like it, it was like his voice Nice. You know, because awesome. I had his voice. Same thing with Chris. You know, my yeah. <laughs> the way I know Chris Showerman is my daughter is an, an actress. Uh, she actually goes to the school Burroughs uh, High School, which Glee was based off of. Okay. And she's in Powerhouse, which is one of the, um, you know, uh, most, uh, it's the top show choir in the nation. And oh. uh, she's been in some professional plays and she's mm-hmm. co-starred with Chris a couple of times. So Chris and I became friends. So I wrote the role for him. Nice. And in you know, and it's great because a lot of people, Chris is like their favorite character, which I love. Mm-hmm. I love to hear that. Um, so, 
it really wasn't against Titans. It's like, I know these mm-hmm. people, and I was actually writing more to them as human yeah, beings. Yeah, they are. <laughs> than as, <laughs> cool. you know, against type. <laughs> nice. You know, awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I was very lucky with uh, having a cast like this because, it, like I said, it was a lower budget film. You know, it was done for mm-hmm. under a million dollars. And, you know, I think what it was is I just have a pretty solid reputation in this town as just being kind of a nice guy. And I think people mm-hmm. want mm-hmm. to see me succeed because um, I feel like I've, I've earned that, you know, and mm-hmm. um, people really responded to this script and they really responded that I was trying to do something you know, different and, and not just, it wasn't a piece of product. I was actually trying to make something that actually had something to say and, and allowed them, they, they weren't the backdrop to a science fiction story. It's actually the science fiction is a backdrop to to the character stuff. Yes. Yeah. That it really was. And I was giving them, these were living, breathing characters that really had a past and had relationships. And that was important to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, I guess um, that said, what's next? <laughs> um, I'm actually up to um, direct three um, three movies. I mean, there's three movies that I'm looking at right now. But ironically, they're mm-hmm. all scripts that other people wrote. And, and which is really like, I'm a writer. Unusual for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm a writer first. You know what I mean? And, and the reason I got into directing, directing was never the end goal for me. It was really more of writing, being able to tell my stories. And I just felt that encounter it need, I needed to tell encounter and, um, I needed to do, there's only a handful of, of, of the scripts that I've written over the years that I, I absolutely would want to direct. And it's funny cause they're all in the smaller, smaller range. Um, so it's weird to be offered stuff than other people. Cause I didn't get into directing to direct other people's, material it's it's not an ego thing it's just that well there's a famous saying that uh directing is the final rewrite yeah well no editing is i, I think oh, oh, oh editing okay okay, okay. Yeah. yeah that, that makes uh, sense yeah movies written three times you know when it's written screenplay when it's directed and when it's edited um so that that's that's really it so it's interesting you know uh approaching these films and trying to bring you know my sensibilities to these previously written things so we'll see where that goes. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, um, you know, but I'm, you know, taking meetings and, you know, I'm working on, I have two new graphic novels that I'm just announcing um, that I'm very excited about. And um, just, you know, seeing, still helping, you know, still encounters still fresh. You know what I mean? So it just came out. So I'm still like shepherding my baby, which is really nice, you know, spending time with it. Um, and, but, you know, definitely am, am looking, I, I've got a new script that I'm very excited about writing that it's just, I've been so busy. I haven't been able to write it yet. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just, just keep on plugging. I, I, it's funny. I've been in the business for 30 years mm-hmm. and, uh, worn a lot of different hats over the years. And, um, feel like i've barely even scratched the surface yeah. so folks who want to keep up with what you're up to how can they how can they follow your progress like online where can they plug in 
Well, I mean, you know, it's so funny. Like, I guess, you know, Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm a kind of a Facebook guy. If you want to be my okay. friend on Facebook, I like friends. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know if you really want to go out of your way and be my friend, you know, I, I tend to update. I, 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 you know, my Facebook stuff, I'm not one of those people who's going to, like, look what I'm eating right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, I'm right. Just sort of like, you know, I, I, I just, you know, it's really about uplifting you know, um, my friends works and stuff, what I, you know, what I'm doing as well. So it's like, that's the best way to sort of see what I'm, I'm up to. I have a fan page also, and there's a page for my graphic novel discord. So like I just announced discord part two. So, uh, we have a, we have a Facebook page for the graphic novel discord in my series, Mm -hmm. um, as well. So that's, you know, if you're into comic books and stuff like that. That's cool. I was going to ask if you were able to when when you mentioned those when you mentioned the graphic novels at first. I thought, wait, are you teasing that? Is that something we can even ask about yet? So I'm glad. Oh, you yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really excited about Discord. Actually, Discord too. I've been wanting to write this sequel for years. I had set it yes. up. I'd written um, the original graphic novel. So just so people know what we're talking about here. Um, uh, so I wrote this graphic novel called uh, Discord, which was actually very critically acclaimed. And, and the idea of it is imagine a superhero team like the Avengers. They're fighting their enemy out in space and they crash land on an alien planet and they're all killed, like body parts everywhere. And the indigenous life forms sort of come out of the woodwork and they find all the body parts and they grab all the usable bits and they reassemble what they think is a human and resurrect mm-hmm. them. So. Wow. The main character wakes up to to you know discover that not only only is he made up of parts of his fallen teammates, he's also made up of parts of his enemy, and oh, it's wow. a loss of identity, and it's about how you define yourself as a hero, and and you know ultimately he has to go back to Earth, and can he be the hero he once was? Mm-hmm. And it's a That's very cool. like adult dark yeah. you know, um you know examination of this and awesome. Um, I then followed that up with a prequel series called Tales of Discord, which was about all the individual heroes leading right. the event before. Discord. Uh-huh. Yeah, but they're not origin stories, really. They're they're sort of like important. They all just they all explore different themes, and mm-hmm. and and it's all like important events in their lives, you know, leading up to it. So, but everything in those two graphic novels lead up to the story of discord two, which is just fucking nuts <laughs> and wanting to write this verse. It's really, it could only be a sequel to this graphic novel series. Uh-huh. It can, it, it's something that's unique to this story that's been set up, you know, over the course of these, you know, two graphic novels mm-hmm. that will hopefully blow some, you know, blow some minds because I'm awesome. really exploring awesome. some really fucked up stuff in, in this that I'm very excited about. I, I want to so read it already. It just sounds really So you said you're still currently working on that one, right? Uh, Discord, Discord 2. 2 I am. Yeah, Discord 2 we just announced. We're just getting started with it. We just like finished the cover and, and, and you know, put that out there. Uh, so, you know, this this um, the first issue is written. I mean, it's, it's a four... I, I write it in four sections, but it's one graphic okay. novel story. Right. Um, so the artist is working on the first chapter right now of it. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm very excited about that. Awesome. Yeah. Is this something? Cool. Is this something that that you're happy with? A graphic novel. That's the perfect medium for it. There it goes. Or was, is this something you would ever conceive wanting to to turn into a feature? Oh yeah, no, definitely. It might make a, a better series, series, but actually, it's being. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. it's actually being vetted right now. Actually, okay. and, and it's, it's something that could either be 
done very well animated or live action and, and it's good because mm. you have a lot of like dark superhero stuff now you know with like the yeah, boys yeah, yeah. and you know like um you know all those other and so mm. the timing is sort of like good for it right now which is good mm-hmm. because well, it, it's you know marvel is killing it you know what i mean as far as like <laughs> yeah, the yeah. you know your traditional superhero stuff goes so mm. i think this is a, it's an interesting unique take on the superhero genre nice yeah Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, damn, Paul. Thanks for doing <laughs> this, man. This Thanks, has Paul. been this has been freaking oh, my awesome. Pleasure. My <laughs> pleasure. Thank you for having me on, and and I really appreciate the support for Encounter, and I appreciate all your kind words about it very much. So because it's it was made, it was mm-hmm. made with care. You, you know what I mean? Tell. Like that, yeah. that's why it, you know it does hurt to read. You know, like when you read like reviews that just don't, you know, that don't like it. Everybody's right. going to have an opinion, and of course, I'm used to that. But it's just. You know, when sometimes you read them, they're like, wow, you just didn't, just didn't get it. Get yeah, it. it you didn't, yeah, you didn't get what I was trying to do here. It's like, this is not, this is not typical. This is not meant to be typical. It's, it's not, you're, 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 you're reviewing it in the wrong way. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's nice when you have people who, who get it and appreciate, I'm I'm, I'm saying, oh, I'm some genius that, you know, is like created the, <laughs> right. no, but it, it was made, this movie was made with care and with, you know, wanting to do something that was unique and different. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's not like the most technically flawless film ever made, but it's not, that's not what it's supposed to be about. Exactly. It's supposed to be about telling a story that I hope captivates, you know, your attention and makes you want to, you know, dig a little deeper into it. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Dig it, man. I want to pick well, up Discord like tomorrow. That's the, yeah, the first exactly. thing. Yeah, that, that's really cool. <laughs> oh, so by the way, um, so th- this is what I meant. Remember uh, earlier when you said, I'll try to keep my answers to say yeah. and, and I said, no, don't even, <laughs> don't even try because we're not going to. So <laughs> that's exactly what I meant. Awesome. Cool, man. Can you dig it? Awesome and cool indeed. And gotta, gotta, gotta say that if you're looking for a good old-school analog TZ Outer Limits style ideas and characters over effects drama, you do well to spend an evening, or two, or three, to catch all those various narrative possibilities with Paul's Encounter. Huge thanks to Paul for joining us as our third Movie Musketeer tonight. And as always, big-time thanks and a shout-out to Bob Cho and the Sean Carr and the gang at Art19. But more than anything, more than anyone, thanks to you, the listener, for once again honoring us with the most valuable thing you possess, your time. I'm Craig Jamison of Gold Cottage Online, and speaking for Jim Delaney of thelunchmovie.com, thanks for joining us on The Movie Sneak. See you again next time, up there in those cheap seats. Oh, and stay tuned for a special bonus material mini-session with Paul, which contains spoilers, Easter eggs, and more for those who've seen Encounter. If you haven't, you might want to wait till watching the film, then hook up with us on this part later on. Can you dig it? (laughs) 
reminder that all film, music, and other clips are the rights and property of the copyright holders and are used here for entertainment, educational, and criticism purposes only. Now that we're finished, I actually love to talk just very briefly about like just the movie for a second, just in the spoiler, you know, really spoilers thing. Like, cool. Cause I, I really appreciated you saying, you know, those lovely things about the movie. I mean, it, it's yeah. You know, that ending, um, uh, I, I want, cause you could make the argument with the ending of encounter that, you know, all right, this is beautiful. They've basically got quote unquote pseudo their daughter back, but you know, it's like, it could be the beginning of an alien invasion. If you think about exactly, it, you know it could be the thing, yeah. but, you know, but, but the thing <laughs> yeah. is, um, you know, that's why I wanted to leave open ended. Now, did you guys notice his leg move at the end of the, uh, uh, in the final I shot? Not. I did not. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. It's not meant to be okay. in your face. It's meant okay. to be if you catch uh-huh. it out of the corner of your eye. Because the last line in the screenplay is his legs curl up to cradle her. Interesting. Like that. So the idea that, wait a minute, he's not cured. He's still paralyzed, right. but she's touching yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that means he can walk when she's touching him. So it's a symbiotic relationship. Interesting. All right. You know, so it's like, you know, I I don't know if you have, do you have the Blu-ray for it? I do, yeah. Okay, so in the Blu-ray, there is like a documentary about speculations on a sequel. It, yeah, okay, it, yeah, right. It was, that part I have not yeah. watched yet. I didn't want to watch yeah, that until it was we never, talked. Okay. The movie was never written to have a sequel. It, it, it wasn't. It, it was that's supposed to be a complete story. You know, there has been like talk about you know doing it and where I would go with it and stuff like that. And I do have a. I mean, like, and I always say that if I'm going to do a sequel, it's not going to be a typical sequel. It's going to be like, you know, not what you would be expecting, you know. But it would, you know, deal with like different themes of family because what happens? This is all their child. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, it is yeah, their, because all of them. Bit, it's uh, their yeah, child. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it's bits of everyone and, and, like, you, you under- being touched. Yeah. Yeah, and you understand, like, it needed Jessica. The reason why it needed to touch Jessica is because it needed Jessica's DNA to be able to recreate uh-huh. Shannon. Yes. That's, that's why it needed to touch Jessica, mm-hmm. uh, because it couldn't recreate Shannon without it. And, mm-hmm. it. and it figured that this would be the best form to be in to be protected, because that's mm-hmm. all this thing is doing. It's just trying to recreate itself into something that can survive in the environment. And and it's like, because it was attached to Luke, and Luke obviously was pining away for this you know, Shannon, that is like, oh, well, why don't I become the Shannon thing? Because they'll protect me. They'll protect yeah. me, of course. I mean, and whether there's nefarious, you know, intentions beyond that is anybody's guess. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want to make that determination. You know, right, okay. Um, I love the fact that you brought up Demon Seed because I certainly watched Demon Seed to, you know, to, as, you know, a bit of influence on it. Um, but it, it was, you know, I was hoping like, God, I hope people don't remember. Cause I didn't want, you're one of the few people who saw the ending coming. Cause <laughs> most people don't see the ending coming. Uh-huh. They, they think that it's either the movie's about, they think that the movie's either about it bringing the, um, Jessica and, uh, will back together, mm-hmm. or they think it's really kind of weird. They think it's going to resurrect the professor or something like really? that or okay. something. Wow. Weird. I mean, like, or they're just not expecting okay. They're just not expecting anything to happen at that point. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like that's the, the story. I was probably, uh, I would, I'm certain. I, I was just thinking like a screenwriter. Yeah, you know, and, and that whole nothing. Yeah, is yeah. And that's the thing yeah, is like yeah. it was such a hard 
like you, you know, in the original draft of the script, you do not find out about Shannon until um, that flashback. Uh, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you mentioned that in yeah, that yeah, yeah, uh, okay. New York University yeah, yeah, Q&A. Yeah, okay, so I don't need to repeat myself yeah, 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 there. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, uh-huh. that was the thing. It wasn't – she wasn't part no, of it. You know, it, but it was too much for the audience to sort of like mm-hmm. – you know. but there was something to be said right. about that. You know what I mean? Like it really – it, it was it was hard for me to let that go at first, yeah. but it was a great note to to bring her in earlier. So we reshot stuff and and brought her. Mm-hmm. In. Yeah, because because originally yeah, that, finding that, pain, that balance. That's why yeah, there's still the so. remnant of that is he says to Teresa because she goes, well, what are you painting? And he said, oh, I'm painting her younger. I thought she would love. You know, she. I thought Teresa would like that. You know, so the idea. I sorry. I thought um, Jessica would mm-hmm. like this. You know that we're thinking that he's painting a younger picture of Jessica. You know what I mean? That was the sort of the misdirection. But if you mm-hmm, notice, mm-hmm. like Shannon is always in mm-hmm. the frame. You know what I mean? Like there are scenes like if you come over here, you'll understand what's going. You know, you'll yeah. you know, like I can't explain. If you come over here, you'll understand. And we're actually on the picture of Shannon at that point. You know, if you notice Shannon's fingers. Mm-hmm. There's only three okay. fingers there that you can see. That's that's to that's to represent the alien tether. Huh. You know, so wow. there's like lots of little things like in there that I'm like. Okay. And the movie starts with a butterfly and ends. Nice, with yeah, nice. I got that. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. So there's like there's all this like yeah. sub subtextual yes, so. yeah, stuff that that's up, in uh, there that if you definitely if you watch mm-hmm. it again, it's like oh, I mean, like, even like he remember that that dream sequence he has where he's um. You know, it's her walking up the stairs, and she's looking in the mirror, and she turns. Well, there's two Shannons. That's what I'm trying to suggest there. There's two Shannons in this sto- in this story. But it's like you just think she's looking in the mirror. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, oh, right. Look at, this, look at this fancy shot. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, but it isn't. That shot is not. You know, it's like that was my like Tarkovsky Kubrick. There you go. Yeah. Of, like you know. <laughs> okay. Very cool. Very cool. I, I try not to be pretentious. Like I promise you, I'm very. I'm not a pretentious person. <laughs> Oh, no, I, no, but right. that kind of stuff I love, though. Like, for example, like when I saw the the very first shot with the butterfly, um, this may sound like a wild uh, 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 reach, but the first thing I thought of was Sam Peckinpah. Um, and that if you look at the very first, the very opening shot of the Wild Bunch, the very opening shot of the Killer Elite, like the Wild Bunch, you have these kids and there's a scorpion, the Killer Elite, you hear the kids playing in the background, there's the, the pigeon, and they yeah, seem yeah. almost incongruous yes. to what we're about to watch, but they really aren't. Yeah. They're kind of subtextual uh, uh, lead-ins, cluing you in uh, of what's going on. And so as soon as they saw that butterfly, my mind flew back again, maybe I'm just thinking like a screenwriter. Huh. What does this mean? Yeah. <laughs> and it's that, also, yeah. if you notice, that shot is highly saturated. Very much so. And then as it goes down the trench, it go it desaturates. Okay, so by the time you get catch. to the end of the, the trench, it's it's to, to that steely gray color. Nice. Okay. When the feds show up, yeah. Yeah, when the feds show up. So, okay, cool. Very yeah. cool. So yeah. there you go. So so I, I really do appreciate, I mean, really, I'm so glad you got the movie and you liked it. I mean, that it means a lot to me because it, it's... I, I was trying to do something different. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, you never know if you're sick of seed or not. You know, there's yeah. obviously times of doubt where it's like, man, people might just think this is the most fucking retarded thing ever. Or, you know, it's, you know, look, I know that it's a rubber monster and I'm aware of it. I know the special effects aren't perfect by any mm-hmm. stretch of the imagination, but 
we didn't really have a big budget on this movie. Right. And that's not what the movie's about. Yeah, you know, exactly. and just like um I've always used a Twilight Zone yeah. analogy when talking to managers and agents, whatever, and I've always said, Well, it's kind of a Twilight Zone kind of story where the ideas are so big you kind of forget that the whole story takes place in like two or three yeah. rooms with yeah. a limited number of characters. Because you're talking about these big universal ideas. So you totally forget the scale of the film. And I think you accomplished that very, very well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, big time. Well, it's really appreciated. 